Stop. Hello, um, what, what, fucking hell. <laughs> right, welcome to the Top Row Podcast with me, Dave. Joining me, as you could probably hear, was Josh and Blaine. How's it going? Hello, I'm all right. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New, New Year, lads. No, it hasn't been a Happy New Year for... Who? The Reds. Oh. It hasn't been a Happy New Year, has it, Josh? No, it's been... Not even three days, and we're all sad. Um, We actually made a transfer. The last last, um, episode title was the Sad Red Podcast, and I don't think that's changed. It's now, well... It's now called the Sad Red Podcast. Yeah. The episode title can change, but the actual brand. <laughs> uh, all we have to do is add a tier to our logo, and we can take it off as soon as the as soon as we start winning consistently without sideshow yeah. um, Bob fucking centre back scoring for us. So we've we've just had Shane jump in before we started recording, and we promised with Blaney to not be influenced by the food takes. So, I think we can concentrate on the Reds being shit. Do we have yeah, to? Yeah, we can't double down on disappointment. And, I'll bring uh, the food takes when we win. And, <laughs> and then, um, yeah. I mean, if if, it, if if the chance arises, the chance arises. <laughs> but um, I guess we'll have to stick with the footy for now. So, um, just to recap, basically, since we last recorded, Liverpool have been put up for sale. Um, then kind of withdrawn from the sale and it's back to a strategic partnership which we kind of already knew beforehand uh, but the club is still open to be sold um, we have won at Villa against Leicester and well lost our most recent game against Brentford and Cody Gakpo is a Liverpool player now um, take your pick what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> we talk about the World Cup. Oh, fucking hell, yeah, the World Cup <laughs> happened as well. Because that was actually really fun. Um, yeah, the World Cup was fun, but... Amid all I'd... the sports washing. Exactly, um, yeah. I, I was yeah. thoroughly washed. Yeah, what a, what a country. Well, yeah, yeah. No, obviously I'm go- I've already booked my holiday. I'm going there, I've got my PSG shirt. <laughs> Might be a Manchester United shirt soon. Oh, fucking hell. Another club up for sale. Should we talk about them? Yeah. Well, no, because they're actually no. looking all right. No. We're the top red podcast. We didn't say which red, which red we were talking about. Yeah, the top red devils. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I mean, I guess we've got to kind of jump right in with, with the the situation we're left with after the Brentford defeat. Um, that. I'm kind of lost for words. I can't quite get my head around things. Like it, it, things it, used to make sense. There used to be like things that you could solve, and you know everything will be all right. And at the minute, it just doesn't feel that way at all. It was just bad. It was plain bad. Um, I can't believe. It. I mean, the worst thing was it was just like not unexpected. In terms of what Brentford were going to go out and do, how they were yeah. going to play, Klopp even talked about it at his press conference. You know, all about set pieces and being ready for direct balls. Played really well for twenty minutes. It just seemed to be 
the lighting of the touch paper was Nunez missing that chance. Um, good defending. Nunez doesn't do much wrong. And it almost felt like, oh, if we didn't score that one, we'll just collapse instead. And I think we we spoke about it earlier in the in the season that we almost felt, I think we used the Palace game as the example, that we played really well, not got the goal, and that was it. They were like, oh, we've done what we should have done, but it hasn't worked, so let's just fold. And I mean, I actually got more annoyed with Andy Robertson coming out at the end because he was saying everything that he thinks we want to hear, which I think was a really annoying thing. All the same old platitudes of, yeah, it's not working. We're not doing what we should be doing. Just fucking change it then. Just you're professional footballers. And I think Blaine's put it pretty succinctly on Twitter. We're just watching the same game over and over and over again. It keeps getting acknowledged that we're watching the same game over and over again. We've had a big six-week break and absolutely nothing has changed. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's... Go ahead. Well, you, we, we watched the Leicester game and we were absolutely abysmal against Leicester and then you get away mm. with that performance and you expect to see... I know we beat Leicester, but some sort of reaction. And I know it's a short turnaround time and they have to change the team, but as soon as you saw the team release, you could tell if we didn't score first, you knew what was going to happen. And it's the fact that you keep seeing the same deficiencies in us happen game after game, and you keep seeing Klopp just stand there and smile as if yeah, the, the, the grin's pissing me off now. As if he's got no control over what's going on. Hmm. No, I, I just don't see. I don't see how we. How, I understand people are can talk about transfers and crying out for a midfielder. I think we need a midfielder. But for me, I think from the start pre-season onwards, he's got it wrong and he's, we've been continuously getting it wrong. And I've not really seen any point in which people keep talking about a watershed moment, but we should have had that by now and it's not happened. And I don't see suddenly how it's going to happen just because we got beat 3-1 off Brentford. I think one of the worrying things was that the watershed moment I think Klopp was hoping was that Man City game when it changed he changed to a four four two um or four 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 one one, whichever you wanna use it. And that got ditched really quickly, like alarmingly quickly. And it felt like that was the turning point. And then was it Forest we lost to? Yeah, uh, yeah, that that was the Forest after. game. And it just went again. And it was back to the it was back to the same old and we just haven't adapted to Darwin Nunez playing as our number nine as a team well enough. I think Sam Maguire put some clips, uh, screenshots earlier of a, a long ball being played into Nunez and there's a huge gaping hole between the midfield and attack where there's six Brentford players stood just waiting to win. The, if, they, if they win the header, which nine times out of ten they probably will, um, they're waiting to go under absolutely no pressure whatsoever. And and normally we're not playing direct through the middle and it's left us just horrendously exposed because the team wins it back and we're not in a position to to counter-press like we are pretty famous for. Teams can get two, three passes together and then, okay, we're, it's then just 11 v 11 like it normally is and they can 
play their safe options or completely bypass it like Brentford did. So we've just not found a way for that to work. You either, there are two options you said, Dave, before. Um, Nunes goes on the left and we have a more creative number nine in the middle or a deeper line number nine in the middle or you put someone behind uh, Nunes and you, you switch to a two in midfield. Um, they're the only two options, I think. I don't think you could persist with Nunez as a lone nine in a 4-3-3, personally, um, with the way the midfield's currently set up to play. And I don't see any sign of the mid- that midfield three changing the way it plays because we keep, as you've said, Blaine, we keep seeing the same old mistakes played out with the same old patterns. So, yeah, I, if there's ever a chance to try something... I think you've got two young midfielders in Carvalho and Elliot who could do with playing in their natural positions, which is on the right and Carvalho in the middle. You've got a wonderful opportunity against Wolves at the weekend to try that out. Yeah, I mean, the, the main worry for me is I've, I've banged on all season that obviously you give Klopp until next season. That's a given. But we've also had two pretty substantial breaks. Um, this season, and with a good chunk changed. of the squad still together as well. Yeah, 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 and, and, and nothing's changed. That that's the main worry for me is that I'm losing faith that he will get it right next season. I don't think he's showing any leadership in on the training ground. By the sounds of things, you look at how involved Peplinders is in everything. I'm not using this as a platform to criticise Peplinders. He is doing the job he has been told to do. At the end of the day, Jurgen Klopp is the manager at the club. And it does seem to me like he's getting more and more responsibility. Um, And is that affecting us on the pitch? How involved is Klopp, you know, on the training ground? Because... we, we're not that technical possession-based team that everyone sees to think we are because all you have to do is watch Liverpool this season. You can barely string three or four passes together at any sort of intensity. We can, we can you know, pass it into midfield and pass it back to the defence and knock it to the full-back and knock it back to the set. We, any, any team can do that. My under-11s girls team can, can string two or three passes together with, under no pressure at the back. It doesn't make you a technical possession-based team. It actually highlights how out of ideas you are that we do it so often. The ball goes into midfield and suddenly it's a frenetic mess rather than calm, composed football. You look at Man City who can, within three or four passes, completely dismantle a team because they're intelligent and good technically. We don't have that at the moment. Thiago is the only player who can play technically in midfield it seems, at the moment. And he is the most experienced midfielder we have in terms of, you know, European pedigree. I know Jordan Henderson's experienced, but he doesn't have that level of, that Thiago has. So it's just incredibly baffling. I don't actually... I look at when we play and I think, what have you been doing all week on the training ground? Like, what have you been doing? Because you actually, as a group of players, look like you're getting worse. And when that starts to happen, you get worried. And if one manager has bought himself time, it's Jurgen Klopp, and that's not a problem. I don't think there should be any talk of his position or anything like that. But he, I think somebody needs to pull rank above him a little bit. 
because there seems to be a, a stubbornness. And I think for the second time in his career, his loyalty to certain players is bringing him down and the club that he's managing down at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you, you can you can say loyalty to certain players, but I don't think he's got any loyalty to like to Harvey Elliott. I think that's just poor poor decision making. Um, he he's, he seems just insistent on this, and as much as I've pushed back on the the Wenger comparisons, I, I I don't think it's I don't think it holds much water, but. At the same time, he, I mean, he, he is coming across as stubborn with, with, with his team selections. As Blaine was saying after the performance against Leicester, we, we eked out a win in that. And you look at the lineup the next game and nothing has changed. Nothing. The, the only thing is that like for like changing Fabinho for, for Henderson. And I, as soon as I saw that midfield, I knew what was going to happen. Mm. And... Liverpool used to be the kings of marginal gains. I mean, kings of the top six anyway in marginal gains. And we got marginal gained off the fucking pitch by Brentford. I mean, I saw a clip. I quote tweeted. Um, somebody was trying to blame Trent for the for the Wissa goal. Yeah, I saw and that one. It was quite clearly Canate's man. Canate should have been aware of what's over his shoulder. He was marking the man in front of him who should have been getting marked by Fabinho. Everybody should have shifted over, pretty much, and Trent had the, the far, um, the wing back on the other side. That That is how th- that should have been picked up. Whatever reason people think that, he should have been marking him and jostling next to him, and, and, and that's how he should have been marking him. But somebody replied to that with a clip of Brentford hit the ball over to that right side. I just see Brentford players attacking the ball. And one Trent Alexander Arnold. Like the, the teams are watching Liverpool, seeing glare and weaknesses, I've and exploiting them, I've, and, I've and we're not reacting. I've never seen a team not block crosses as much as Liverpool do. They stat that asked you know, the uh, the Ollie Watkins the Ollie Watkins goal. Thiago stands and watches the player receive the ball five yards away from him, get his head up get the ball out of his feet and put the cross in and stands there and watches it happen. And there's no wonder Trent can't defend it or it was he, Watkins was in between the centre-backs, I think, for that goal. You're, the defence are being let down by what's in front of them um, heavily. The full-backs don't block crosses enough. Simicast was absolutely horrendous. Yesterday, I was all for him starting because obviously Robertson's, Robertson's injury. Um, he was awful. Um, and then and then you get Robertson coming out, and I I know not, I know why Robertson's done it, but he's come out and he's saying what they're not doing and what they need to do. But he must have given the same interview four or five times now this season, and it's becoming tiresome. And it. You don't mind so much if you kind of see the progress and the green shoots and you have a game or two where you think, right, we're at it and the errors are not happening as much. You maybe get one a game instead of three. You can say, right, you're making progress. Something's being addressed. But it just isn't. And the whole club is falling apart into off the pitch. You've got the sporting director leaving already. Um, I know a lot of people are pointing to obviously being at the club for 10 years in a role that he's just been given, and that is a sporting director has 
you know, clear control of the sporting, you know, success of the club and the and the the future and the map and what you put into place and you know who you buy and what have you. That's a huge opportunity, I think, for Julian Ward. And you'd think it's something you'd stick out for longer term. So I don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. Um, whether have the sporting directors wanted to be more proactive with refreshing the squad and it's been blocked. Who, who knows? Um, but we've had two sporting directors now who have kind of, they've made their big deals and then not done the others that kind of guarantee you that sort of energy in, in the squad that any big team would 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 be doing. The thing with the, the recruitment that kind of baffles me is that if you kind of look at it from the attack and the defence, they've made those signings in like Canati and Simicass and Gakpo, Diaz, Jota, that to be able to rebuild while you still have those players available in terms of your past players. Whereas the midfield, it looks like it's been just completely ignored since Thiago, and then they've they've identified these people that they've become obsessed with, like Tukumeni and Bellingham, and basically said, we, we can't take a risk with midfield. We have to buy these next big stars. Where it seems like a lot of people are right when you say you could spend £30 million on a player who come in and make Liverpool better midfield because there's literally nothing going on in midfield now that's of any use to anyone. There's no progression. It seems there's no... Um, they're running back. If, if once you get behind past Liverpool's midfield, no one, no one can run back. Thiago can't run back. Fabinho can't run back. And the defense is constantly facing mm. three, four, five players running at them, and it must be completely tiring for them. I mean, you've seen it with Fabinho. I've have goals at Klopp and exchange on sidelines a few times this season because he's what is he supposed to do? If he's got Thiago and Elliot either side of him. It must well, feel, I... for the players, like it, you're not helping us at all. And I don't know who the risks in that way are being being taken for because I don't know who's actually benefiting from whatever risks we are taking. Yeah. I'm worried as well that with the midfield, we're past that point now as well. You've, you've said quite rightly that there was there seemed to be a, a natural progression, especially in the attack. That seemed to It seemed to kind of... You didn't really notice that front three had been replaced almost while it was happening, it seemed very seamless and fluid and the new players came in, gelled with the old ones and then Mane moved on and Firmino's taken more of a back seat. You don't you didn't really notice that transition, which is how it should be. You should get it right right so much that the almost the the replacement is there already. Um but midfield it's almost like if you you almost have to now go and buy the ready made player because that opportunity to naturally refresh it is is gone um you can't rely on our midfield first and foremost you could buy somebody who's 19 i don't want to say jude bellingham because everyone seems to be thinking he's going to be the savior but say um taram who plays for leal at nice sorry um you could buy him and think right two three years time he's going to be perfect if we give him the right amount of opportunities we pick and choose when he plays. He learns on the job sort of thing. You can't do that now because you're going to have to thrust a player who probably isn't quite ready for this level into the starting lineup at some point when Thiago breaks down or Cater breaks down or Chamberlain breaks down. Henderson's becoming less and less reliable. 
we've missed that opportunity to to add national natural. I mean, one Adam should be replaced straight away with somebody who um, was probably what twenty three, twenty four, who cost twenty million. Not signing the perfect player, but signing somebody who can do that job when needed, who can then develop when they're twenty seven, twenty eight, into that dependable first team player. And the 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 one that's really annoying me is this Mateus Nunez or Nunez uh, potential signing in the summer when we had the opportunity this this time around. If that if we sign him in the summer, it'll be inf- infuriating. I think because he can't oh, yeah. think, can he? I think we might look back at the summer of 2021 because a lot of what was said about the midfield and Klopp came out and defended the um, decision not to buy midfielder in the summer of 2021. And he was, in a way, we kind of proven right because we almost got to win everything. And they keep Thiago, Keita, Fabinho and Anderson together fit. And that rotation between the four of them worked. And obviously we, we almost win everything, but... Really, I think if we had that collapse in the summer, if we had that collapse in 2021, it kind of would have highlighted what we needed to do this summer. Whereas even I was someone who looked at the midfield situation this summer and thought, the, if we don't get too committed, it'll, it'll be all right. Where it, because of last summer and what we saw last season with the midfield, and it's we've probably done that one season too many in terms of not getting a bit more fresh blood in. And we don't know what, Obviously, two committee could have come in and we'd be completely different. But I think the summer of 2021 is probably the season you have to go big on getting a midfielder because that's where you get Canati. And if you get another one in that summer, you can bleed them in, maybe not use them too much while you still have Henderson at at more of a peak and Thiago and Fabinho playing at the level they are. Whereas now you're looking at someone coming in and they immediately have to be seen as, as a saviour. If we sign Caicedo, for example, from Brighton, he's going to come in and be seen as some sort of saviour. But really, he needs a time to adapt. Mm. Like Nunes, one thing that's, I think, the problem with him is Nunes is being looked at as this guy who needs to take a chance. And he knows that when he gets a chance in a game, it, it's a vitally important chance because we might not make another one. And I think we, we can't, we're going to put too much emphasis and too much importance on these new players coming in because we've left it too late, ultimately, especially midfield. But I think even with Gakpo now, he's going to have to come in and be someone we he rely has, on immediately. He's, he's going to have to do what Diaz did. Yeah. But, no, it, 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 it goes back to what I was saying about, about Nunez, where Nunez, I, th- I think, will be fine. But the issue with the Nunez signing is that he's 23 and he's not... I don't think he's anywhere near as raw as people make him out to be, but he, he isn't the the finished article, obviously, because he's not he's not he's not even scoring up to up to his XG total. Now a man, you know, overperforming like the top strikers are. Um, <clears throat> but we we've signed the player that we, we're gonna have to put work into. Whereas Liverpool have never really done that. We, it, it's been twenty five, twenty six year olds, or a twenty four year old that can come in and, and hit the ground kind of running. That's what happened with Manny, that's what happened with Salah. Um, and uh, as you were saying, we are going to be relying on these centre mids, so we are going to have to buy that finished article. We can't bring another Nunez in where we I think we, we polish them. The, over, real, over the really 
strange thing is that we were lauded as the club with the best analytics department that um, spotted players that clubs don't spot or things like that. We haven't seen those signings that you'd come to expect that we used to maybe do a little bit. We haven't seen them. And well, you don't have to when you're on top, though. No, but for a club that has it's that is so invested in its analytics department and the, that way of recruiting to then complete like almost immediately switch focus to signing you know you know finished it off. makes you feel like yeah they've, they've become they've become a bit too obsessed with the idea that whoever they sign's got to be perfect and mm. a bit like when they were chasing too many it didn't look like they were in for signing a midfielder it looked like they were in for too many or yeah yeah. Nobody else. They were, they were looking it, for the player, not the position. Yeah, it seems a bit like they've become a bit obsessed with specific players along the way, and not look to take a chance on a Robertson or a Shakiri and stuff like that, or a Minamino players who you can bring in. Even like Bruno Gamarage is the perfect example at Newcastle. Obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight they should have gone for him, but how much did he go for in the end? Was it forty or fifty million? <laughs> Thirty-five, I think. Thirty-five. You could have brought him in, and even if it doesn't work, you can sell him on for twenty million. It's not like at the end Look of the day, it's you know eight million yeah. to eighteen million. You know, it's he barely did anything, and you make a profit on him. And it's funny, Klopp, when speaking about Gakpo, was saying that every attacker we've signed steps up a level because of what we do for them. Why can't we do that with a midfielder? Mm. Why didn't we give? You know, a, a young up and coming. I think the big one is that uh, Enzo Fernandez. I think a club like Liverpool pays what Benfica paid last summer for him, and they battle Benfica for him. And if he's not ready, you send him to Benfica on loan or a team like Benfica on loan. Yeah, but when's that? When's that ever worked? Oh, Josh, like as people were were making this argument about Liverpool dipping into the South American market and that. Well, we've seen it with Chelsea and that in the past. When's it worked? Oscar, maybe, and that's mm. it. I'm not saying Enzo Fernandez was like the prime example. I'm just using the fact that Liverpool probably would go out and spend ninety million on him. No, but no, but it's it, it it's just it's it's. It, it's easy to say that, but a lot of players don't want to make that jump either. True. Like, I, I don't think I don't think it's that binary, and I'm I'm probably saying this like to, to you just because I've just saw so much fucking nonsense about it over the last two weeks. Um, it's it's really not as binary as people seem to make I, it out to be. Like player I, development isn't that simple. No, I know. And I do... My biggest worry, though, is for a club that is very, very keen to tell the world it's broke, why are we putting all of our eggs in a basket that is going to cost us over £100 million? Pounds? Well... When yeah. you could spend... You could buy two, maybe three midfielders of that money and actually make a properly good squad. You've got Jurgen Klopp coming out in the press the other day saying, we need two 11s in our squad. We don't have that. Especially not you, in midfield. Do you two think it was the right decision to spend the money now on Gakpo? Or would yes. you have spent that money on a midfielder? No. no, no. We, I, we, I, we have absolutely no chance of doing anything with two out of three attackers playing. Yeah, no, it, 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 it shouldn't be one or the other. And I, I wanted I wanted them to Saka this, this month anyway, so yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. 
I I'm, mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, not... I'm leaning now onto the don't sign Bellingham train. It's, it's sad because he would be absolutely perfect for us, but it's got to the point where it is just going to leave potentially, especially if you don't qualify for the Champions League, which opens up a whole new can of worms financially. Um, I think you want you wanted Bellingham to be a bit like when we signed Thiago when it was kind of everything was set and Thiago were like the new one to come in and kind of revolutionise things a bit. But every, the team was set and he was the next step along that. Whereas now it just feels like, it, it almost feels like, like people have said it, but it's a bit embarrassing if we don't get him in a way because we've spent so long just on this Bellingham and we've set aside so much time. Like We might not sign a midfielder in January because we spent this set this money aside for Bellingham in the summer. And it does feel a bit like, well, are you not best player signing someone now and then waiting and seeing what it looks like in the summer? Because we've finished Europa League. I think we still. I don't think it'll make a massive difference in terms of Bellingham wanting to come. I think it. I don't makes think it'll a difference make much difference much... with signings. To be fair, I think it makes a difference how much we're willing to spend, and I think it could be used as an excuse to say Liverpool can't spend so much because they're in the Europa League. But I think well, it's either would... that or they shit the bed like Arsenal didn't spend more. Yeah, but if you invest I that I money, don't see that. But I'm saying I, I'm what I'm about to say is very much what Dave's hinting at there. If you invested that money, either the summer just gone or this January. And you kind of got all the right profiles in that, you know, you look at the squad and go, do you know what? That's pretty well set. You could, the supporters could stomach two years of not really doing anything like we did a couple of years ago. Instead of staggering it and not really making any progress, you could invest more heavily now and maybe this summer and then say, right, we're going to tighten the belts again. And, you know, sell to buy if we need to buy it seems at the moment we haven't got the assets to sell to generate the funds to buy i mean you look at the midfield and you look at who can you sell in that midfield to upgrade nobody who who could you sell in that midfield to upgrade anything anyone i I don't think anyone's got any value in that i think fabinho's the only one i can look at who you'd even consider but is he yeah, the but, one you want to get rid of? I don't think you want to get... That's what I mean. I think it just adds more... Prob, it adds more to what you need to do. I but, say you get you get the wages gone, which is Milner, Chamberlain, yeah. Cater. And sorry, you might have to stomach, you know, having a negative net spend for a, a transfer window for a bit. <laughs> you know, it's elite sport. It's It can't all be done on a shoestring. I'm not saying it is a shoestring, but you look at how much we've spent compared to other clubs. I don't want to go out and spend 300 million a a transfer window. I just think if you're not going to have a lot of big money signings, not a problem. Come out and say that, that's fine. But be more creative in the transfer market. Find those players that maybe other clubs haven't spotted or because they're focused on the big the big signings, you've got a world-class coach in there who makes players better. So it shouldn't be this one-player-or-nothing policy. That needs totally, totally scrapping. And, you know, is this why the the whole off-pitch structure of the club seems to have broken down completely in the last two months? Who knows? 
Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's... It's just a mess, and sadly, as I think we've just spent, well, half an hour discussing without coming to any real resolution that's... Would you sign Bellingham, Dave? Would I sign Bellingham? It would depend. Or for a hundred, if 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 Dortmund said to us now, it, you're guaranteed to get him either 130 million now or 100 million in the summer. Would you take either option? Uh, it's a hard no for me. It it would depend on the context and the effect that it have on other things. But I think we've we've had a a big enough sample size of FSG to tie us kind of suggest that would be it. When have we um, ever spent more than that, really? That if that hasn't been a, a sale of a Coutinho or a you know, another bigger money departure. I, I mean with the with with the money that the club's brought in and the money that the club has essentially banked by not fucking spending it. Um I'd like to think that there's more available. But I don't know. I mean, I've I've always been under the assumption that they'll invest in players if you know they 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 thought it was the right profile, which is what we've just obviously talked about. Um, but it's yeah, it's 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 just a lot of guesswork. I mean, would I prefer it? So so say it's Bellingham or bust, and and that's it for the midfield. Then no. I prefer two midfielders than just Bellingham. Mm. But if we were two. to sign a Bellingham and say maybe a Coadio Cone or someone of that ilk, then yeah, yeah, I, 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 as much as I don't think a midfielder's worth over 100 million. I don't think any football player should be worth over 100 million. We're, we're in too deep, man. We're, we're yeah. in well too deep. We need, that, we, need that, we need that bubble bursting somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're in too deep, and I, I, as you said before, it's it's more embarrassing than anything if we don't manage to get them now because the club's invested so much time and energy in this that so, if it doesn't come off, <laughs> what do we do then? I think about Nunez and playing as a lone striker. Do we persist with a midfield setup that maybe doesn't work for him, or do we now try and? shift shift things that you know maybe support our attack a little bit more and then get the best out of two of our young prospects Carvalho and Elliot do, do you I think see we could do with a bigger that? sample size of him with other um with you know, like that, that, that attacking trio. I would love on Saturday. I'd love to see on Saturday. I think because I think it is the perfect time to do it. A front four of Elliot Carvalho, Gakpo, and Nunez. Elliot on the right, Carvalho as a ten, Gakpo on the left, Nunez up front. And I'd like to see how Nunez and how Liverpool improve, or maybe Firmino as a ten as in there if he's back how much better we are with somebody in that hole that Nunez creates by just constantly being on the shoulder. Because it's the area we're not exploiting 
enough and then having a base of two midfielders that just screen and shield. Do you not think part of the plan when signing Nunes was at times to play a front four in, in certain games? I know obviously we haven't had the personnel available with Jota and Diaz being injured, but it seems to be kind of the break glass option to go to a 4-4-2, 4 I was surprised we made it was so much of a four four two to be honest because I don't think that setup made good use of space because how many times did we see just a line of four just stood still rather than getting somebody in between the lines? I I was surprised we went to a four four two. To be fair, I think the only time it kind of seemed to be a proper four was when we actually had the four of Diaz, Jota, uh, Salah, and Nunes playing together against Arsenal, <laughs> and it seemed as soon as we lost Diaz and it kind of just lost its way a bit. And when Firmino come, I think Firmino can play that kind of 10 role, but at the minute, I feel like you're really stretching out your options if you do play a four. But then again, I don't think Elliot or Cavallo can play in the three at the minute either. Well, that's the, that's, that's the thing. Yes, it is stretching our options, but our options are already pretty stretched in, in midfield. It then... Gives one of your midfielders a break. Yeah. Because um, let's face it, Fab- Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson can play in a two. Henderson just, I think, if you if you put him on a leash. Um, and unfortunately, I think one day Navigator could have done. But I think his physical deterioration probably puts pay to that one. But I just think... We've got to stop leaving Fabinho, Henderson, whoever's in that six, just alone on an island of space, defending against four or five on rushing attackers. That's the issue. That seems to be the issue at the moment, and I think it does stem from the lack of or the amount of space they have to cover as a midfield because of um, the profile of Nunez, or as we've suggested, we put Firmino back in there and Nunez on the left. Not that just that though, Josh. It's it's what you were saying before about <laughs> just as soon as we get the ball, let's look up one ball over the top, and then they're on you. They're they're on rushing at you as soon as they get the ball back because there's that massive space between not just the defense in the midfield but the attack and the defense as well. There's no hmm. compactness. That that's what Liverpool lost. Compactness. There, there, oh, yeah. there is not. They're not compact at all. And for the fella that preaches the Arrigo Saki playbook as much as Klopp does, that's criminal to have a team that isn't I compact. Th- I don't think you can have a a four three three that's compact with a profile of Nunez up front. Um, and I'll keep saying it, but it seems to no, be. But a very you, you, you can. You just need. To, you just need to build up slower. Or yeah, build up properly. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not. <laughs> that's the main issue. Well, not See, but we're getting accused of being a technical team mm. without actually being a technical team because we can't build up to save our lives. Well, we if we were be... a technical team, we'd be able to build up. We'd be we creating used... chances like yeah. Haaland's getting, not the profile of chance that he's getting now. And we actually used to build up, didn't we, with losing yeah, the ball did, in yeah. mind. But losing the ball in mind, everyone would be positioned to be just perfectly in position if... It did go wrong. Yeah. You'd be have someone within three yards who could just snap in and win that your, ball. Your back position on the ball is as important as it off the ball because that's yeah. your position that you're in when you lose the ball. That that is your defensive setup. But 
for whatever reason, that seems to have dissipated massively this season. And I don't know. I, 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 I was thinking about like topics for the pod earlier, and I think I just wrote down Liverpool just look like a poorly coached team. Yeah, we we do look really, really poorly coached. Like a, Liverpool look like a poorly coached team for the first time. Genuinely, like even. We were mentioning the, the the years where we were conceding every fucking second ball off a corner and all this stuff, but you could see something happening. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> is happening now, and we, we we're not getting any pressure on the ball in counter pressing scenarios. We're not getting any pressure on the ball when you've got us penned into our own half because we're not blocking the crosses, as we've mentioned. So what 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 is what is the what is the end game of what we're trying to achieve? And I, I I don't know what it is, and I don't think Klopp's really had anything to say. All these accusations are getting thrown at Pep Linders, for example, and we've we've defended them in the past because we've seen a marked improvement in Liverpool since Pep Linders was assistant it's, manager. It's also not his fault the position he's been left in. He's obviously oh, no. been given he's not the manager. So, no, he's not the he manager. Has a, he, has, he has a boss. You know, last season it seemed like we started in a way that was a bit more expansive, and it did it did catch us at times. You see, like the Brentford and the Brighton games, and then we seemed to January onwards kind of rein it in and kind of decide to um, be a bit more street smart, be a bit wise, be a bit more compact in games, and and just dog it out at times. And now it seems like. We've gone the other way and decided to completely commit to one idea that seems to not benefit anyone at all. And he, 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 if you listen to his press conference, he, he, the things he says every week is about staying compact and being a team no one wants to play against. And then you watch them and it's just a complete opposite message. And it's it, you start to question whether the messages stop sinking into well, the that's players. It. That's it. And... and whether there's a deeper issue behind the scenes and it, you need a rebuild not just for a actually on the pitch but an, an off the pitch perspective as well because it does seem like something somewhere has gone wrong with the actual harmony off the pitch because it doesn't seem to be like everyone's on the same page at all and that's not just the playing staff it seems to be the, the whole club yeah no I, I, I agree with what you're saying um, it's just uh, the, the, the club as a whole is a mess and it's um, the 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 fingers getting pointed in all different directions. But the reality is, and I know people won't like it to hear this because everybody loves to have their agenda and everybody loves to blame X and Y. But it's it's just it's a complete mismatch of of issues. Like it's it's an issues at every level. It's the owners. It's the, it's the coaching staff. It's the players. Um. I mean, personally, I I think a, a massive, massive part of the season is the coaching staff. I mean, I think, I mean, w- w- would you guys agree that the, the squad's better than Newcastle's? It's better than United's. It's better than Tottenham's. Surely, yeah. Like we, it we is, shouldn't. It's, but it's also better than Brighton's and Leicester's and Brentford's and because and, they're the games we're losing or or not playing well in, which is the the hardest bit to stomach. I don't mind losing to a Man City. Or an Arsenal, because they're the games that can go either way, because they are equally as good, or maybe they're the games that we actually look compact in. Yeah, (laughs) 
But it's the fact that we can't at the moment go out and just comfortably beat a team that we should comfortably. Newcastle swept Leicester away 3 0. In 25 minutes, the game was over. And for us, we just kind of, first five minutes, we said, all right, off you go. Go on, walk through the defence, the midfield. There, go on, the goal's there. Yeah, go and see if you could beat the best keeper. Oh, wait, you did. All oh, right, okay, crap. Um, we're going to proceed to do nothing now, 25 minutes, you know, literally nothing. Um, and then wait, wait for their defender to go and stick two in his own net. Second one was a, a unlucky for Nunes, but the first one, I mean, is symptomatic of any, having Danny Ward in goal, to be honest. But it's it's worrying. Nottingham Forest, absolutely horrendous. But just not a good team at all. Create no chances against them. You know, they're the worrying games. I mean, <clears throat> on the positive side, on the positive side, underlying numbers-wise, we're still fourth in expected goal difference per 90. Well, hey. Um... Worryingly, though, Newcastle have got nearly double our expected goal difference per 90. But that, that's all, those stats are all well and good, but Liverpool aren't... It's not the stats we're failing on. It's the eye test. No, I know, but but what, what I'm saying is that, that... I mean, that buys into the Nunez stuff and... But do you no. remember when we we were saying our oh, club had that awful season at Dortmund, but they were still statistically the second best team in the country? Oh yeah, I'm 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 I'm, like, I'm, well... I'm not saying that that alleviates any any worries or anything. But I mean, the attacking numbers are great. Defensively, it's an absolute horror show. Let's be honest. We yeah, made a bit of a, a bit... we made a bit of a, a, a bit of a meal of that Villa game. We made a bit of a meal of the Leicester game. I mean, we didn't put the ball in the back of Leicester's net other than on goals when we really should have. I mean, we made a bit of a meal of the before the World Cup, the Southampton game. I mean, some of the chances we conceded once we were was it three one up. Yeah, I think Allison makes two world class saves at three one up up at home to Southampton, and it feels like every team knows that they're going to get three they chances. Have, to have a good if they have a good fifteen minutes against us, they'll probably score and we'll probably collapse mentally because they've scored. And it seems like. Now, just the encourage the way encouragement works in terms of how it used to work in 18, 19, 19, 20, where a team would have a big chance against us and they'd no doubt miss it, and that would feel like that's the golden chance of the game, and that yeah. that, that that was their chance, and now it just inevitable and that usually, Liverpool are going to go and win. And usually, they had that chance when they were already 2 0 down, yeah. We, we just kind of kept them in front, but of even. Us. Well, it feels like that chance that happens, I think, like, if you think it's the United game where a Langer hits the post, you, if that were 18-19, Liverpool go on and win that game. That's the wake-up call. Now, it seems like it just clicks the other team into gear and we kind of think, oh, God, what do we do now? And we kind of retreat back into ourselves and there's no sort of reaction. And, the, and that was the third game of the season. And that's still happening now after two massive breaks that we've had in the World Cup. Um, another yeah, I, had, I had a tweet from August that was still relevant now. Like, the, 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 it's just, it, nothing's, changing, nothing's changing. It feels like you're just banging your head against the wall every weekend. But um, well, I, I have a question. Just, just, this is, is just. Food? 
It's not about food. <laughs> yeah. This is just a bit of a random one. A bit of a random player question. But, as of now, 3rd of January 2023, if I give you the option of having Tyler Morton <laughs> or Harvey Elliott in midfield, who would you, who would you take? Um, Canal. They play different um, positions, no. don't they? Tyler Morton. Well, I, I'd mm. assume you know you, you shift for being you out to the right side. The thing is with Elliot is he has. It's not like he's been disastrous all season. I think a couple of games he's had really good games in midfield. The problem is, you see, I mean. I think you're giving a, an inexperienced player too much too much freedom in that team with Elliot. Yeah, I think he's one of them that you just say, right, keep it simple, hold your position. I mean, the fact that he picked him, yes, the was it yesterday, was mind blowing to me. Yeah, yeah I, think I, the, I think the answer I, to your I question, know, Dave, I, is Stefan Bacetic. Oh, Bacetic, actually, that's a very good one. Brilliant. I mean, what a player! I mean, like, oh, that's the um... I've got no problem with us not investing in number six if we give him enough chances and take time with him and stick with him and not take him out of the picture as soon as he gets a little bit too tough, like we did with Tyler Morton. Stick with him because I think he could be the the, the natural replacement for Fabinho. That's a that's a prime example of not having to use the transfer market, which is fantastic. That's brilliant. Well, we did use the transfer market to sign. Yeah, I know. And but... and, and this <laughs> this is the point I was making the other day when people were banging all about buying players from South America as though Liverpool don't do that kind of thing already when they do. But go on. Yeah, that was my point. Yeah, just stick with him, and you don't have to spend forty, fifty million. I think the difference is Bashtic. People sign him at what sixteen. Oh, yeah, but that's what Chelsea 17. are doing with. No, I know, but I mean, like Enzo kid. Fernandez, as the example, was is twenty, isn't he? Twenty one. It's that age and that profile of player who are maybe ready in two years instead of five. Who were the player Chelsea signed from Villa uh, last summer? Chukwemeka. Yeah, has he played at all for them? I think he's played. He like came twice. on. He came on in the game against Forest. Didn't do anything. Good player. Though. <laughs> I would have took him if that's worth anything. Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, no. Here's no. a reminder of how vile the top four races are. I watched Tottenham and Chelsea the other day, and how bad our three teams are is, is quite staggering, really. Talk to me in 2027 when Ben Doak is ripping people a new arsehole. On Thursday nights. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, at least I can, can get play me, yeah. field now. Hey, yeah. At least I can get me fucking credits back. Hey, I'm, I'm going on Saturday. I've got me FA Cup credits still. I've got me FA. I've got me cup credits. It's just your. I might, I might get um, a league game if we uh, go back to the Hodgson days. That's how I built them up the first time round. I know. <laughs> it's fucking class. Bring him back. Bring him back for us. My first hey. game, Blackpool at home. We lost. I fancy in the way they to Lithuania in the um, Europa Conference League. Uh, don't like Zilnius. 
I'd be sick. I, I'm always, you know what? I'm always gutted that I didn't go to um, Anzi when we played Anzi in the Europa League. I don't even know who Anzi are. Oh, oh, I do you not remember the, the one with um, yeah with William Eto. Oh man. yeah, 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 yeah. Did they beat us? Uh, I think it was relatively. Is it a draw? I think oh, it was a draw over in in Russia, and then yeah, I think we yeah. beat them at Anfield. But um, yeah, go over to the Dagestan. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm an MMA fan. Not sure. So I'll do going that now. over to Dagestan would be. Um, well, yeah, I probably won't go over there now, but you, you know. No, Angie beat us, one nil. Yeah, but we knocked them out on pens or something, didn't we? No, we played them in the group, so. They beat us 1 0. Remember that massive Lacina Triore? He was like 6 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went 7 on loan. He scored. And then um, Stuart Downing won us a 1 0 at Anfield. Is that when we had Udinese in our group? Was that a different year? Yeah, I think it's. Was it them and Zenit? Uh, I had. No, we no, beat Zenit. We beat no, Zenit. Zenit. That, was, that was in the knockouts. No, yeah. Zenit. Oh, no, we got beat by. Yeah, we got beat by. Yeah. Zenit, didn't we? Yeah. Carragher got ripped by Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I was going through like an Udinese young phase boys. at that point. It was Young Boys, wasn't it? Ah, yeah, I remember that. Young Boys Andre was, Wisdom was sick. Andre Wisdom was the next big thing. Yeah, dead away fans were boss. Uh, young Boys. But I, I was going through like a weird Udinese phase at the time. I had like a thing for Antonio Di Natale. And, um, we all had a thing for Antonio Di Natale. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, we got tickets up in the Annie Road just above the away end. That was quite nice. good. Nice. But, um, Nuri Shaheen, boss in the midfield. Oh. So me and Blaine will be there representing the pod. Watching the kids against Wolves. Ooh. I don't think it will be the kids, oh, you know. Who are they going to be? I think, you know, get people back into some form. Make them fucking play. If they're we... tired, make them play more. Well, have they rescheduled be... any games for January? Or have we got a game a week? Well, no, uh... because every, everybody's saying that the calendar's full, but what they're taking into consideration is that you get through to the FA Cup final. Don't get through to the FA Cup final, you've got three weekends. I think it's um, if Forest beat Wolves in the Carabao, um, we'll play them in a midweek game. Wolves. Because for the one where the Queen died. No, that's Chelsea, isn't it? We missed two. Oh, did we miss two? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because God. Liverpool fans couldn't be trusted. Oh, yeah. No, because I... I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was... Um, <laughs> yeah, because I was pissed off because we had... We, we didn't play Leicester early in the season when Leicester was shite. And we didn't play Wolves earlier in the season when they mm. were shite. But everybody seemed to play fair, Wolves. We've probably, in hindsight, wouldn't have minded playing Chelsea either. No. When they were shite. They were I mean, you still are shite, but you know. To be fair, we've been ginger all the way through as well, so I don't know. That's what I mean. We're, we're shite, so. Uh, Maybe we everyone Leicester look pretty good. Maybe I came out of that Leicester game. Arsenal, City, and Newcastle. Me, me dad was working afternoons, so he watched like the last half hour, and he went, "If that first hour was as bad as that last half hour, I feel sorry for you watching that." I went, "It was worse." And then he started talking about beating Chelsea away. I was like, "What fucking plan are you on?" <laughs> Well, they were only about 15 points off Arsenal. So. I know. 
title challenge would have been on if we had to beat Brentford, but for the best. Alas, alas, I don't know. I don't know if I want Arsenal to win it or not. No, I I don't mind. No. I don't know. Although you know the the one season City take their foot off the gas and are barely anywhere near. It's fucking Arsenal. You know, here, you know, you know, you know. Considering the, this period of domination for Pep Guardiola, I mean, I mean, the, the the thing is that he's won it. You know, that's the main thing. But he's he's never really pissed it. I think he's pissed it twice pissed of it. the five titles. I think he pissed it the first time. Well, first time he won it, he pissed it. United he pissed it. Points behind. Then we we had those injuries. They pissed it. And then it's been one point every season. It's been one point. <laughs> they've lost one. And. Then Arsenal are, well, seven points clear this season. We've been there before, though, seven points clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... Man City drawing to Everton was is Arsenal's Man City losing to Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. yeah didn't, just didn't wait until Rodgers scores after. a fucking 40-yard screamer. Yeah. Breaks the heart. It'd be Edison knowing Man City. <laughs> Fucking no, no. I, I, on one on one hand, I'm kind of glad to not have the stress of every game mattering. But oh, now I've got the stress of us being shit. I prefer. I don't the other mind stuff. that though because I prefer the be... other stress. Yeah, no. no we'll I mean, to be fair, at the moment you go into every game stressed, and if we have a really good game, you go. Do you know what? That was really good. Whereas, um, yeah, no. But just we were winning it... nearly every game, and I was coming away going, "We won that. That's good." Yeah, we won all of the games, and we still fucking came second. Yeah, I know, but like, I would prefer that. Especially I when I'm going away as well. Like, yeah. The worst I've felt is um, when Newcastle beat City in that season, and then we went and drew it home to Leicester. I was just like, fuck. You know, it could have been, what, 10 points, and it snowed. And we just couldn't uh, deal after, with after some of the way City won the league, I'm just not going to hit me. Did you see that tweet um, like a few months ago saying if you change like four results, we end up with like three Premier Leagues, an, un- an unbeaten season, a Premier League, Champions League double, and a hundred point season? Oh, yeah. No, the unbeaten season would be a hundred points as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be an, a Centurion unbeaten fucking season. I know, it's not. It's not... People keep retweeting that Liverpool tweet where it's 103 points out of last 105. And I'm just going, <laughs> please. I know. Back when I know. We, back at when the, at the time, I, at the time, I was thinking like, I'm gonna have to like, I'm gonna have to keep hold of this and remember this. And I didn't do it properly. I didn't remember it properly because it's just it feels like such a long time ago now. I mean, I, I, we have we've had COVID in that since, haven't we? To be fair, no. I mean, yeah, I was I winning the FA Cup, the FA Cup semi-final last season seems a long, long time ago when we yeah. were winning, winning, winning trophies seems a long time yeah. ago. Paris feels a long time ago, bloody hell. Never mind. Oh God, just remember we got Real Madrid. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Did you ever no. go to that Real Madrid game where they like battered us when we just first got back into Champions League and it were. We're just miles Ronaldo better. scored at Anfield. Yeah. 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 We did really well for 15 minutes, didn't we? It's just like running. Just running everywhere. 
and everyone was like, yeah, Liverpool are back. And then they scored three. Like, oh. That was my first Champions League game in years. That was the Colo Torre dribbling through the Real Madrid that season, wasn't it? Did it at the Bernabeu? Yeah. <sighs> when you rested everyone. What a, what a side to be alive. <laughs> yeah. No Did we have Ricky Lambert played up front at the Bernabeu? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. No, it was Barini, wasn't it? Well, but Barini, yeah. Look at Fabio Barini. What's Fabio Barini up to nowadays? He's like it's the top goal scorer in the Turkish league, I think. Is he? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'll look this up. Have you not seen like the Turkish league um, goal scorers? It's like everyone who's played in the Premier League the last ten years. Oh yeah, I'd say. I'm not going to try pronounce the team he plays for. Fatty Karagumruk. So That's probably not spelled right. Fatty Karagumruk. I don't think he's the top scorer last year because he had three in twenty-one. Um. A nine the season before that. But it doesn't have his stats for this year, so sure he's in around top goal scorers. Although he it might is. be Enna Valencia. He is. Enna... he is, he's second. Enna Valencia's top. I mean this football knowledge is incredible, Blaine. Um with thirteen. And then Joyce second. Haji Wright. Haji Wright and Fabio Barini. Joint fourth, Vout Vaghorst. God, there Bachelet's are some. in there oh, somewhere. Yeah, Gomi, Bafatimbi Gomi, Spatshwai, Treasure Gay, Belanda, Alexandru Maxim. I remember him at Stuttgart. Some of these names. Lincoln. Wow. What a league. What a league. Right, anyway, on that note, I think we're going to have to wallow. Elsewhere, we're going to do score predictions. Oh, bloody hell. For Wolves. It's going to get to the point where it's going to be a surprise where we predict a win. I got quite giddy and predicted like 5 nil against Forrest and then... Was that the last so game? Heard Josh. Yeah, Josh. Yeah. Kind of... Put me down the line of Forrest really bad. You were right, to be fair, but... Oh, wait, we were, you know. What was the score against West Ham? 1-0? Yeah. Who scored? <laughs> Nunes, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, oh, Blaine. Blaine, you got some points. You had Nunes to score. Oh, yeah, he was our last goal scorer, so we don't go back with the goal scorers. Um, so... For some reason, Blaine and Dave said um, Firmino. He must have been going through a purple patch. Who was uh, that against? West Ham. Oh, was, was that the last game we done? Yeah. Jesus. Um, um, I had Trent, so... The fucking hell, uh, Josh. No argument there. Um, so we've got Wolves. When do we play? Brighton, not Saturday, isn't it? So we'll probably do a pop before then. Do a pop before then. Um... Go on then. So, Liverpool, Wolverhampton Wanderers in the uh, FA Cup. Yeah, in the em- in the Emirates. I'm gonna go. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with. 
first day back on work, forgive me for yawning. Um, three one, and I'm gonna go with um, Gapo. Fuck it. Wow. Lane. Uh, I'll go two one. And I'll go with No. He's fit. Nunes, I'll go with Nunes again. That's the thing, he's gonna have to play him, isn't he? He's gonna have to play that. Well my my one before anyone typed anything was also two one Nunes, but I'm gonna go back our defence. I'm gonna say two nil. Because I don't really see how they score. Uh, well, to be fair, it's Liverpool. It's a free... I was going to say that I'm sure there's many ways that they can score. <laughs> Including walking from the centre circle from kickoff into the box unchallenged and tap it in. 2-0. Um, I'm going to stick with Nunez, though. 2-0. Yeah, 2-0. I predicted him to score once this season. And that's when we all, well, me, you and Shane predicted him to score against Palace. When he didn't do that, did he? He did something else. No, no. Are Scott, these predictions just... like when Lawrenson used to always predict Liverpool would win every game and would end up with like 105 points and he's predicted? No, because me and Dave like... both predicted we'd lose to Man City, which we didn't do either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, not quite a Lawrenson prediction, like, but um. But well, oh, yeah. I predict Harvey Elliott to score against West Ham. I remember that. You fucking loon. I mean, it's harsh, but very fair. <laughs> what were the Forest score predictions? The what's ones? The Forest ones. Um, Dave five nil. Me five nil. Blaine four nil. So what? And Blaine, he did the best that week. Four nil. Rangers, 2 0, 3 1. 7 0, 7 1, wasn't it? It was. Right, anyway, on that note. Being emotional. Hopefully, we can be back for a winning podcast. I don't think we've had one of them in a while. We haven't had a podcast in a while, to be fair, though. So, um, so but yeah. We start the season doing it and. We're crap. We might have to just can it. I know. Every time we do it, we're shit. Let's start every po- podcast season when we've played 25 games, won 23, and we cheer in the rest of the season. Right, anyway, it's been emotional. <laughs> next next pod, to be fair, won't be back after my first day of work. I don't know whether it's Blaine, Blaine's first day back either. Josh is a lucky bastard. He's off. Until tomorrow, um, which is Wednesday. Well, yeah, but you're off. But, um, yeah, anyway, thanks for listening, lads. Thanks for your company, as always. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Until the next time.